Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. We are jumping into a brand new series titled uh, The Pursuit of Purpose. And my name is Dusty. I get to be the pastor here. And specifically today, talking about a humble suggestion, a humble suggestion. We're going to look at the life of Joseph to find uh, really the journey that he went through, trials. The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the pursuit of purpose and believing that God has a purpose for you. And so um, if you're a note taker, it's going to be a good series. And so if you want to open your Bibles, you can go all the way to uh, Genesis 37, if you want to be where we're going to be at. But before we go into that, I want to ask you, um, if you were here for the last 15 weeks of the year, you noticed that we, we focused on getting healthy. We wanted to step into this year better than we had been before, personally and in our relationships. And so hopefully you got to a place over the break, because we were off for just a little bit there, where you got to a place where you, had all, you have all that lined out and you're ready to step into this year on purpose. That's the whole point. That's what God's point is for you. And so how many of you know that God's purpose is greater than your intention. Can I see your hand? God's purpose is, is greater than my intention. And um, we were, me and Heather have this, a few things that we speak over our kids on a regular basis. And uh, we've been using that book. It's called Scripture Confessions. It's $8 on Amazon. They don't pay me, but if you want to, you can. And so um, if you want to go get that book, you can. And in that, there's a scripture that we, there's this confession that we speak over our kids every day. And the very end closes with, uh, my family will fulfill the plans and purposes God has designed for us. That's the last sentence. And we've been reading that since between 2008 and 2009. I'm not sure when we started. I'm on my third one because I've already wore two out. And in 2017, I wrote at the bottom of that page, God's purpose is greater than my intention. So many times I want to make my intentions God's purposes for me, right? And so I want to be like, well, well, that's great, but here's what I really want. So if I can just really do this, this has to be God's plan for my life because it's really what, what, you know, what I want to do, what I believe is the best, right? And so hopefully you're stepping into this with uh, the idea of and the understanding and the belief that God has purpose for you. There was intention in bringing you to the earth. And so let me, Genesis 37 is where we're going to be. So there's 36 before that. I'm going to recap those real quick because I don't want to assume because we all know what assumed us, right? And so God created the heavens and the earth. I'm paraphrasing. He created the night and the day. He made me and he made you. He made humankind. And it says that he made us in his image. So we all bear the image of God or of Christ. The only reason he did any of this was to be in relationship with us. That was the whole goal was relationship with you. And so sin enters the picture. This is Adam and Eve. Our relationship gets broken and God sent his son to restore that relationship. And so, so I went all the way from Genesis to Ephesians right there. Okay. In Ephesians two verses eight through 10, it says, for you are saved by grace through faith. This is God's gift to you. This is God's gift to you. That's a grace gift given to you. You're not saved by your works. You're not saved by your works. And verse 10 is really kind of the, the anchor of the, the whole idea of why we want to fulfill God's purpose for us. For we are God's creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should, and should is all bold there because we really should walk in them. Most of the time we tend not to, right? And so to pursue purpose, I just want to park on eight, nine, and 10 for just a second. To pursue purpose, we must believe that God has purpose for us, that there's intention to me being here. And so for it is by grace is how we started, for it's by grace. Everybody say grace. For God's 
for it is by God's grace. And that's what God's remarkable compassion, God's grace is remarkable compassion. And it's his favor that draws you to Christ. And so then you get to be saved because of that grace, which means actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. That's why the Bible says, don't judge unless you want to be judged. You're free from judgment because of Jesus. So you get to be delivered from judgment because of grace. Now, through faith, this salvation is not of yourselves is what that paraphrase I just said out of Ephesians 8, 2, 8 was. It's not of yourselves means it's not your own effort. It's not something that you do. It is an undeserved, gracious gift from God. It's undeserved. So then you can't work for it and you can't ever get to a place where you do deserve it. God did it anyways. And so verse 9, 2, 9 was salvation then confirming that it's not you. Salvation is not of your works. It's not your attempt to keep the law or to follow a set of guidelines or to do and don't. A lot of times, I think as a human race, especially because we judge ourselves so much on metrics and, and moving the ball down the field, we all know very well what not to do. When it comes time to know what to do, we struggle with that, right? And so it's easy for me to go, well, I know that I shouldn't do these 10 things. And it's not about, your salvation is not about keeping the law. And it says in, in depth, it's so you can't boast about it. Because if you could save yourself, then there wouldn't be a need for God. And so then if you get all the credit for it, where does God come in? It do, it, you don't, right? And so then verse 10 is, is the thing. For we are his workmanship. God crafted us. He molded you. He put you together. And his workmanship, a lot of people here work and they think, oh. And what that means is you are a masterwork. You are a work of art. And you are a gift to the face of the earth, right? Created in Christ, which means you are reborn from above spiritually, transformed, renewed, and ready for service, to be of service, to walk in love, really. And so that service is for good works, which God prepared before us, right? And so then, so we can take the path that he set for us instead of taking the path that we like, right? So that we would walk with him, living in the good life that he prepared for us and made ready for us. And so then, that's, that's the, the assumption that I want to make sure we're not assuming we believe that. God has purpose. He prepared it before time. And now we're going to go to Joseph. Okay. Now, Joseph was the son of Jacob. If you know anything about uh, the kind of the lineage or the genealogy of Christ, um, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph is Jacob's son. Abraham's the father of faith. He's, he is the original guy who set out to essentially walk in purpose, right? And so Jacob being the son of uh, Joseph being the son of Jacob was known as the righteous one. Like there were a ton of brothers, but he was favored by his father. He was super favored by his father. And then he was sold by his brothers into Egypt, where he ultimately became the ruler of that land, second only to Pharaoh, obviously. And then he saved his entire family from famine. Okay, so there's the paraphrase if you don't get anything else of Joseph's story. And what you need to know about purpose is you're not meant to step into your purpose. I don't just one day go from here to purpose. Purpose is a journey, right? If you were to step into it, that place like a position or a box that you would check, right? Oh, I got it now. I've arrived now. Like, and that's not it. The reality is, is our potential is longer than our lifespan. And so then we're never really going to reach our full potential. God's put more in you than you can actually offer. And so he wants you to walk in it. If it played, if, if stepping into your purpose played out like receiving a position, it would be like checking a box. You'd be from off to on, Right? You're meant to fulfill your purpose, not step into it. You want to fulfill your purpose. And this plays out through the journey of life, 
finding your purpose is, is how we all go, right? And this is when you fulfill your purpose and it plays out like the journey, this is where God says to you at the end of your life, well done, well done. And so there's good news for you today if you're like, oh, I don't think I'm anywhere close to that. If you're breathing today, God has purpose for you. If you're breathing today, God has purpose for you. And, and everybody says amen, right? And so let's look at that story of Joseph, of, of Joseph in Genesis. I'm going to read a few of these. I'm not going to read this whole chapter to you. Matter of fact, I will stop at verse 11, but I'm only going to highlight one. And so just to give more clarity on the intro to the story of, of Joseph. Okay. Now Joseph has brothers. Joseph is 17. Okay. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Jacob that bloodline, the genealogy. There is, there is blood here. So Joseph is connected to our creator, right? There's, it's a bloodline type of deal. And so Jacob being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers and the lad was, and, and he was with his, with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, which are amazing names. Those were his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to his father about his brothers. This happens in our house quite a bit. Oscar teams tends to be the, uh, the sheriff. We call him the sheriff. Okay. All right, sheriff. And so he comes to tell us, this is what this is what the youngest brother has done now. So Joseph comes to his dad and already before he ever has a dream, before he ever knows what his purpose is, he's an ark and he's a tattletale. And so that doesn't gain him favor with his brothers at all before the dream ever comes. It's important that you know that. Now, Joseph's father loved him so much. Like I said, he was very highly favored from his dad and his dad gave him a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw this, they thought, well, dad loves him more than he loves us. And so... That ain't right. And, and, and again, he's a tattletale, right? So he doesn't have good favor. And so dad loves him more than he loves us. And all of his brothers saw him and they did not speak to him peaceably. And this, this actually progresses way worse, right? So the first thing in verse four is they don't speak to him peaceably, right? Now, verse five through seven, Joseph has a dream. And, and to paraphrase that dream, he has a dream that all of his brothers are going to bow down to him. And, and then he tells it to them, like the wise 17-year-old would do. He's like, hey, guess what? And it says they hated him even more. So now hate goes to another level, right? It's bad to hate, but when you hate even more, you know what I mean? And so his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? You little pipsqueak. Are you kidding me, right? Shall you, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. We just got a little bit more hate, Right? And this time when they hated him even more, they hated him for his dreams and his words, okay? Remember that Joseph is telling this to his older brothers, right? And I don't know how you were at 17, but I thought I knew everything about everything when I was 17. And so Joseph is coming in very, very prideful, arrogant, and letting them know, hey, God just gave me this dream, and here's what's going to happen, and this is, this is the way it's going to be. I don't know about you, but if, you, if I would have told my older brothers that, it would have been beat down right there, like in that moment right? Like your car, I'll be driving that car, right? And so, so his brothers, again, didn't like it. And here's what it says in verse 9 through 10. Then Joseph dreamed another dream, which was similar to his first, but this time he told his father and his mothers too, okay? Or his father and his brothers too. And his father rebuked him. Now he has great favor with his dad, but his father says, what? Are you telling me that what you dreamed is real and that I'm going to serve you, that me and your mom and your brothers, we're going to serve you. And 
And it says his brothers hated him even more. But his dad said, I'm going to keep this in mind. He didn't write him off because he had great favor. But his dad says, I'm going to keep this in mind. And when you think of that 17-year-old boy, um, I don't know if, if all you guys can identify with that. Um, it makes a lot of sense for Joseph to come in and be very braggadocious in the beginning, right? To not really think about it, but to just go and let you know, hey, here's what it is. And here's the mentality. And I think we all know the mentality of a 17-year-old boy. And so keep in mind that Joseph is 17 when this happens. Now, the end of the story is he's well into his 30s before this dream actually comes to pass, okay? And that's later on for another week. And so you realize there wasn't much humility in Joseph's speech and the way Joseph talked. And regardless of spiritual death or biblical knowledge, we all know that pride comes before a fall. A lot of people don't even think that's in the Bible. They just think that's a wise quote from some old man somewhere, right? And so your character is the foundation for your purpose. Your character is your foundation for your purpose. And so what did God see in Joseph? He's not there yet. He's not there yet, right? You're never going to have a greater purpose than your character. If your character is this big, then so will your purpose, right? And so then I will not have a greater purpose than my character. My character is the foundation for that purpose. And so then that's why it's called a journey. It's a journey. It's not something you step into. It's something you fulfill. Let's remember God's goal for you. God's goal for you is that you would live on purpose for purpose. That's what God's goal is for you. You would live on purpose for purpose. So how do you get there? You're going to grow and develop and become like Jesus. The goal that God has for you is that you would develop Christ-like character, that you would become more like his son. Be more like Jesus, live greater purpose. Develop greater character, live greater purpose, right? And so it's this, it's this wheel that we, and we say here, so we gather in community, we grow in our relationships. Those are, that's with God and with each other. And because we gather and we grow, then we can go as believers. And that's not a one, two, three. It's really more like a spiral staircase that you can't see around the corner. So you go one, two, three. And as we go to here, guess what we do? We're going to gather again, and we're going to grow a little bit more, and it's like this, all the way to heaven, right? So then the first thing you know about pursuing your life, you're taking notes, this is the first point. God has a purpose for you. Ephesians 2.10, you can write that to the side if you want. You can talk about Genesis 37. We're using Joseph as our example, and this is a plan. God has a plan for you. He's prepared it for you, and you've been positioned. You've been positioned. So then today, I said, if you sit here and you're breathing, you have purpose, all of that was to get you to here, and today's preparation for tomorrow. So one thing I try to tell our kids all the time is, listen, today is a building block for tomorrow, right? So you want to be a slug today? You're, you're not, if you fail to plan, plan to fail, right? And so there's purpose. You've been positioned. And so what we saw in Ephesians 2.10 is great. You're his workmanship. You were prepared beforehand, made ready for this day, right? I want to make it personal to you. I'm going to share Jeremiah 29, 11 with you. Almost every believer knows this scripture, right? And here's what God says for you. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Hope, our hope is found in Jesus and a future and a future. And so you need to know that God's purpose for you is greater than your intentions for yourself, right? And you might say, mm, yeah. And, and I, can, I can agree with that, right? I can agree, but you, do you want to know why? Why this is? This is because there's a Barna poll. This is a Christian group who does nothing but study 
Christian people who believe and who don't believe. And they would say that 87% of Christians, 80% of, 87% of believers do not know why they're walking the face of the earth. Okay? They would say, I know nothing about why God put me here. They believe in God, but they still are walking with zero purpose. And these are, are, these are, these are Christians, right? And I want to ask you, do you think that that might be because as a people, we have stopped believing in God's purpose and started believing more in our intention? It's less trust in our creator and more trust in ourselves because I got this, right? We walk with two hands clenched. And so it's not just that pride comes before fall, but you have to realize that in scripture, we are promised through the old and Proverbs, which is, it's in there at least six times in Proverbs and the new that we should not put our trust in men, but to put our trust in God. Fun fact for you. Psalms 118 verse eight is the middle of the Bible. It's the exact middle of the Bible. And there are as many verses before that verse and as many verses after that verse, they're the same. There are also as many chapters before that verse as many chapters that it's like 594 and 594. And, and we're talking about this to our kids. Psalms 118 verse eight is amazing. If you turn to the middle of the Bible, you found the very middle of the Bible. It says, do not put your trust in man, but trust in the Lord. That's Psalms 118 verse eight. And so when you get lost, if you just go to the middle of the Bible, that's the first thing, because what happens when I put my trust in the Lord, that means I actually believe who Jesus is, salvation, right? And so then do not, it's not just pride comes before fall. It's also, hey, Put your trust in man, they're going to let you down every time. It's one of my favorite scriptures. In this, this position I sit in, if I put my faith or my hope in a person, I, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. And so Proverbs 29, 25 tells me and reminds me every single morning, hey, trusting in God, trust in the way that, that God has for you, trust in the light, the way, the purpose, the position, the passion, all the P words you can imagine, right? That God has it for you. So it's not just about pride. It's about putting your faith in God, right? Faith is not about seeing, right? We walk by sight. We believe by faith, right? You're saved by grace, all those good things. And so most of the time, what gets in the way of our purpose is us. It's us because we've lost that trust. We've lost that connection. Our mind gets in the way. Our emotions start playing tricks on us. Our self-talk turns negative. And so then we think, I never could. Well, I never could anyways. Even if you had a dream, you can walk out of it real quick to go, mm, no, not yet, not me, Right? And if it's not our mind, then it's our body. It's our physical desires. It's what we want. We have to have that. We have to be here. Two donuts thrown at me this morning. Come on, right? And so we just fall into either our mind or our body, and we forget that we are a spiritual being, that God called you into existence. He created you to be first, right? And so then we have to go back to connecting spiritually in that relationship to God if we're going to walk in purpose. Connect to the one who gave us life and who gave us breath from the beginning, from the beginning. And now I can go back and show you, uh, I think I have 67 that I could. We're not going to do that today. But I can show you 67 scriptures that have God's promise for you, that actually speak God's promise for you. There's over 160, oh, I am's that say, that, that essentially sells and tells you who God says you are in the Bible. And I could do all those with you. And there would be no argument because you can't argue with scripture because it's the truth, right? But I just want to say that God's purpose is bigger for you because God is bigger than you. That's it. That's it. God's purpose for you is bigger than you because he's bigger than you. And that checks out theologically, which is good. 
And so the reality is if you want to walk in God's purpose, we have to get out of his way. If I want to walk in God's purpose, I have to get out of his way. That's the process that we live in as believers. That's the tensions. Those are the tensions that we manage on a regular basis as a follower or a believer in Christ is I've got to get out of the way. The one thing that I pray every morning before you get here is this, Lord, help me to get out of the way. Let this be your will today and not mine. Yes, I've done my part and I've prepared and I believe 100%. Lord, help me to get out of the way. Help me to get out of the way. I have to consistently say it out of God's way. You know, a lot of the times when we're in purpose, this is an addition, you're welcome. Pretend you're in traffic, right? And we'll talk about purpose because purpose takes patience and that's probably a point for another week. But if I'm gonna be in purpose and on purpose, but I'm behind somebody who's driving seven miles an hour in a 45, that's, that stinks, right? And so more times than not, we, I don't even put on my blinker, okay? I get, I get, you know, I get told by the wife, hey, put the blinker on. I don't put the blinker on, I'm sorry. And if you're behind me, I apologize. And so I wanna get out and go around. But the problem is when I get out and go around, I'm in oncoming traffic, right? It's two lane street, God's way, my purpose. And most of the time when I get out of my lane, even if there's not traffic, I feel friction. Something's coming against me. Something doesn't want me to go fast, even though I'm trying, right? Meanwhile, oncoming cars are coming and I need to make a decision. Am I gonna speed up to get past or am I going to trust and ease back to 6.8 miles an hour and get behind here because I believe there is, there is purpose. There's direction in the delay. There's development in the delay and that's what we're doing. We develop, that's the journey is development. Purpose is, is a journey, right? And so then, when you feel like stuff is not going your way, just check the lane that you're in. Am I in my lane or am I in God's lane, right? And so Joseph's dream was a dream from God and it had everything to do with his purpose, right? And if you have a dream in your heart today, I would love for you to write that down because that's everything to do with the purpose that God has for you. If you've not thought about this yet or in a long time, maybe that's what God's asking you today is just add that to your prayer life. God, help me to understand what your purpose for me being here is, because I want to know that, right? Because to get to know God's purpose for your life, you have to get to know God. And so there needs to be an interaction. And we like to do this daily or a couple times a day. And to pursue your purpose, to pursue the dream that God put in your heart, you need to get to know the one who can reveal that purpose to you, right? And so not every dream that we have is from God, by the way. So I was going to be a pro athlete at one point. Look at me, okay? Didn't happen. Not saying that wasn't from God, but I dreamed a lot of things. I've dreamed a lot of things, and those dreams change. If your dream changes, it's probably not from God. That's probably a desire or your mind or your will or your emotions, right? I'm going to be a movie star. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be on Survivor. There was a Survivor kick there that happened back in the 20 years ago, okay? Never did it. Talked a good game, though, okay? And so uh, the dreams that you have... Not all dreams are from God. So when Heather has a dream that something happened bad and she wakes up and she tells me how bad of a person I am because of her dream, that's not from God either, right? I use that quite a bit, but it happens, okay? Now, the title of today is a humble suggestion. That really leads to point two, point two. The second point that I want you to see from Joseph's point of view is don't brag about it. Don't brag about it. The Bible in Proverbs tells us uh, a wise person keeps his mouth shut. The Bible also tells us that, um, why? Why not brag about it? Because the moment you brag, the person who doesn't want you to succeed is going to do what? Shout you down. 
tell you you're dumb for even thinking that, right? So don't brag about it. The Bible in Proverbs says, don't reveal your plans to somebody else until they are set or come to fruition. Why? Because people, because people, they're the best and the worst, okay? And so if you remember right, Joseph's brothers said they hated him for his dreams and for his words. Joseph's dream was from God. His bragging was not. Okay? And so the path to your purpose starts with a dream, but the dream is really what starts your character development. It's really what starts you becoming more like Christ. And so we'll learn later in Joseph's dream, it had nothing to do with his purpose, right? And so if Joseph would have woke up and, and from that dream and went and told his brothers, hey, I'm going to feed you guys uh, in 34 years or 14 years. Was that 34? 14 years. I'm going to feed you guys dinner in 14 years. That's not that big of a deal, right? Not knowing the weight and the magnitude and, and how heavy that was, a 17-year-old kid's not going to wake up and go, hey, guess what? When you guys are hungry, I got dinners on me, okay? His brothers wouldn't get upset at that, right? He's 17 years old. <laughs> so it was more like, how can I? That's what I like to do, okay? And so if Joseph would have known that his dream was about the famine, would he have woke up and told anybody? If, would, if, he would have, if his dream would have been about helping people get food, would he have, as a 17-year-old boy, would he, have, would he have shouted that to his brothers? And, and no, right? I mean, maybe, but probably not. If I'm going to get at my brothers, I realize, hey, one day I'm going to own everything you have. That would get at my brothers, right? And so what you need to know about pride, there's three points you need to know about pride. Pride always talks. Pride always talks. Pride always has to be heard. So that means it gets louder, right? Pride always has to be heard. And pride always interrupts. We're dealing with this in our house right now, man. Everybody's like, we can't even have a conversation. Axton's the only one who's figured it out. Axton's like, hey, someone's talking. He'd be like, hey, someone's talking. He's two. Someone's talking. We're all like, hey, Axton's talking. He's the one setting the trend for us to not talk over each other all the time. It's crazy. Pride always interrupts. Matthew, some scriptures to back these up. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of, the abundance of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 15, 18 says, whatever comes out of a man's mouth is from his heart and it defiles him. And it defiles him. And so knowing my 17-year-old self and what my brothers wouldn't like to hear, that's where Joseph came. And, he was, and I don't know if you've ever been a bragger or and I would hope that you're not, but sometimes, you know, you just want, you want some praise, right? And so... God knew that Joseph needed to be developed. He knew he was the one. He knew, there was, he, he knew there was a dream and a purpose and a plan that he had for him, but he needed Joseph to develop. God knew if he was going to fulfill that purpose, he was going to have to grow, right? And here's the unique thing about the growth that Joseph experiences throughout this chapter and the story of his life is there's great, there's great promotion in Joseph's life because, because he was humble but he had to be humbled first. There's no growth without humility, right? There's a phrase that we have in coaching. It says, it's all about the journey. It's all about the journey. I'll never forget, I was, uh, 2009, we were in our first state championship game and there's, there's 43 seconds left in the game. And I look over at our head coach and we're up, we're up by 30 points. And I said, that's it? I was heartbroken because everybody wants to win a gold ball. Everybody wants the ring right? 
And I said, that's it. And he goes, it's, it has nothing to do with this game. It's all about the journey. It is, it is hot practices and, and concussions. Sadly, it's, it is that, right? It's how you grow from week one to week 15. It's how we grow from week one to week 15. It's defeats. It's loss, right? It's team meals. It's mistakes. It's repeats. Start over. It's all of those things that make the season great. You're stepping into a new season this year. It's 2023 for you. I would love, God would love more than anything for you to pursue his purpose for you, right? Because through all of that, growth happens. Growth takes place and you get better. When you get better, we get better. So Jacob gets up from his dream. He immediately starts bragging to everyone. And I just want to let you know that um, that's probably not the best thing to do, right? Now, I'm a verbal processor, so I tend to speak and think at the same time. It's not the wisest approach, okay? And so Heather can confirm. She was like, you don't even know what you just said. Well, I know because I was just thinking it as I was saying it, right? Like, I'll, process, I'll think about it afterwards, okay? And I'll come back and give you a better version. Some people don't think before they speak. This is what Joseph did right here, right? And he's like, hey, right? Some people don't think at all, right? They just, they just throw it out there, right? And those are the people who like to argue. And those are also the people who can't remember what they said after they tell you, right? They just, there's no thoughts whatsoever. And then some people think after they speak. And if you want to know this morning, if you might be prideful, if, if that's in your life, you need to identify what's in your heart. What's in your heart this morning? What's your motive? Um, what's your angle? What's your angle? That's always a good question, right? What's your angle? Why do you speak the way you speak? Act the way you act? Why do you do the things that you do? What's in your heart? And if you think that you might be prideful or you might be a little braggadocious, the best thing that you can do is the best thing that I can do is limit my words. I'm just going to limit. I'm just going to shut it down. I'm going to cut it down a little bit. I'm going to listen more than I talk. I'm going to seek some friendly counsel. Heather's always so good to be a friendly counselor to me and let me know when I talk too much or say the wrong thing. And sometimes she doesn't do that unless I ask. I'll have to ask her. But you got to be willing to ask. If you're going get to some, get some friendly counsel and you want to get right and you want to grow, sometimes you have to ask the people that are closest to you. Say, hey, uh, babe, have you noticed this? Do I do this? Every now and again say once a month, I'll ask Heather, hey, how am I doing as a husband? That's a sucky question to ask. How am I doing as a husband? On a scale of one to five, I like that a lot better than 10, because it, it's, it's true, right? On a scale of one to five, how am I doing as a husband? Five's great, three's in the middle, one's, one, you should pick it up, bro, you stink, right? If I get a four, I know I'm trending up. If I get a two, I know I'm trending down. The follow-up question's even better. What makes you say that? What makes you say that? We haven't had to address that in quite a while, but I need to know that. That's what it means to have accountability, to have somebody who can walk with you, right? And so you might not always like to hear it, but it's going to help you get better, right? And our house, is, our house is our house. So the truth in all of this is this. You will never fulfill your purpose if you're full of pride. You can't because it takes willing. It takes willingness. The Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when you see this scripture, you have to ask yourself, would you rather walk opposed or walk in grace? Or walk in grace. You will never fulfill your purpose if you are full of pride. And so then God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You want to walk opposed, you want to walk with grace. Which leads to the third and final point 
we've been getting here. Pick the pride out of your heart. You have to pick, and that's like one at a time, right? I don't want to get gross on scabs or anything like that, but pick the pride out of your heart. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That means you don't, have to, you don't have to do it yourself. God's going to do it for you. God will do it for you. I grew up on this idea and this scripture that said, don't think too highly of yourself than you ought, which led me, you've heard me say it so many times, which led me to partner that with, with Matthew 6 or 3. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And so because I believe, don't think too highly of yourself than you ought, I sit at the bottom of that. And I constantly walked around carrying everybody else's asks, my boss, assistant coaches, who cares? I walked around carrying everything like this. What I didn't realize is it's really flipped. If you seek first the kingdom of God, it's you and God. So if I'm in relationship here first, all of that will take care of itself. That's Matthew 22, 37 through 39 confirmed, right? And so then if you want to expedite the picking the pride out of your heart, which everybody does because it's uncomfortable, the reality is this, the root of pride really rests in insecurity. It's a great points to know. The root of pride is insecurity. It's insecurity. It's what pride disguises itself as. It's insecurity. What's insecurity? It's a lack of confidence. A lack of confidence in that. And so let me show you how great I am, right? And if you say, well, I don't really struggle with insecurity, then you can replace insecurity with inferiority. And inferiority is thinking that we're less. That just, I'm, uh, no, right? And that's going to keep you from your purpose. And if you say, well, it's not insecurity or inferiority. I hope you're writing these down. It's inadequacy. And inadequacy means I'm not enough. Inadequacy thinks that you're just not enough. And so pride is really rooted in insecurity, inferiority, or inadequacy. That's what brings that out in us. And so if we're going to pick that out, we have to deal with these issues. That means we have to go to the promises of God and who God says we are. When we feel these things, we feel like insecurity, inferiority, or inadequacy. We feel these, we feel like we have to pick up the slack, right? Well, let me, let me tell you, right? I have to make myself look good here. I'll, and, you, and we step in and we overstep our bounds. We get in the other lane and that's not where we're supposed to be, right? And so you don't have to create confidence. You don't have to create confidence. Um, middle of last year, I was on the phone with one of my mentors and he says, I said, man, this is really rocking my confidence. This is really rocking me. And issue I was talking to him about, and he said, well, that doesn't make any sense because your confidence is in God. So how can it rock your confidence? And it was the best thing. It was a 45-second phone call. And it was the best thing for me to hear because that's true. Don't put your trust in man, meaning yourself too, right? And so when I do that, when I, when I let it rest on me, cast all your cares upon the Lord for he will, right? When I carry that, it does shake me, but I'm not meant to carry it. I'm not meant to carry it. It's God's. And so my confidence is not in me, it's in him. When my confidence is me, we're going to stink. I'm going to stink. My house is going to stink because I'm going in my way, right? God's purpose is greater than my intention. And so then you don't have to create confidence. You just have to walk in it. Trust who God is and what he said for you. In all reality, the whole time, the whole time, along the entire journey of your life, wherever you go, God is always with you, okay? And that's the place our confidence should be, and it should be with the one who said he'd never leave me, not in the one who's, who's driving 90 down the wrong way of a road, right? So then, in all of that, 
if pride is in your way, it's going to be hard for you to step in to purpose. We should all be walking in humility. And the humility is the confidence in who God is in us and who God is in, who God is in through, who God is in, oh, sorry, in, through us. Delete that in in there. I don't know why it's there. Walking in who God says he is. Why? Because I believe that God is in me and what he is through me is greater than anything on the face of the earth, right? The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That means the one who resides in you, the spirit of God that resides in you is greater than anything on the external. But man, this can cause me a lot of problems on the outside, right? And so I'm going to close with this. It's an analogy. And it's an analogy about overcoming pride and insecurity. I hope, man, I believe this is going to speak to you. You've probably heard this before because it's in almost every Disney story that's ever been told, written, or watched, okay? And so at least the classics, maybe today some of that agendas or some of that, that the narratives are switching just a little bit today in the Disney movies, but old school Disney movies, you'll see this. There's a prince. And this prince is up high and he's looking out the castle window. And, and I want you to think of the prince as Jesus. Jesus sits in the place of the prince, put these two guys together, right? And the prince sees a beautiful woman out down the valley in the hood, okay? And she's gorgeous and he has to meet her. He has to meet her. Jesus sits in heaven and he looks at you. You're the bride of Christ. He says, the church is the bride of Christ, okay? And here's the thing. He could have her if he wants. The prince could have that girl if he wants. He just had to send for her. Hey, see that girl? Yeah, three over, not her. Yeah, the other one, yeah, go get her. He could do that. He could do that, but he doesn't because he actually wants her to like him, right? And so he chooses to find a way to put himself on her path to where they can cross, right? And in this analogy, as we look, we need to remember Jesus stepped out of heaven to rescue you, okay? And so the prince disguised himself. He talks to his parents. He's like, hey, this is what's happening. I'm just a prince, so this is what I'm doing. Grows a beard, right? Puts on some trashy clothes. He goes out in the community. He takes a normal job. He takes, you know, all the, all the royal stuff off and their paths cross, and he meets this woman. They date, they fall in love, he proposes, she accepts. It's the Cliff Notes version of the story, okay? And then he says, hey, you need to know something. This is who I really am. That house up there on the hill, I live there. She's like, oh my God, that's the castle, right? And he said, yeah, I'm the prince, I'm the prince. Now she's fell in love with him, so then they get married, right? And he succeeds his father, and now he's the king. What is she? The queen. He's the king, and now she's the queen. Now, let me ask you something. As a girl from the ghetto, slums, the hood, whatever you want to call it over there, right? How does she deal with her insecurity, knowing that she's just a poor girl with no money, right? Without any royal blood. She has no royalty whatsoever, but she's the queen, right? How does she do that? She gets rid of her insecurities because she knows she's the queen. Pretty easy when you put the crown on, right? It's easy. I can get rid of my insecurity by putting on the crown. I'm the, I'm the queen. She deals with pride by never forgetting where she came from. Ooh, don't want to go back there right? Been there. Know that guy, right? 
know her. She deals with insecurity by believing she's the queen, stepping into that role. She deals with pride by never forgetting where she came from. So, so to make this personal, knowing I'm a child of God, right? I'm a child of the king. I can cast off my insecurity, inferiority, inadequacy on him. That allows me to walk in my purpose. I'm adopted. I'm adopted. I'm a son. Now I can walk in my purpose, which allows me to never get prideful about it because he made me his. He gave me purpose. And he allows me to walk in it. And I remember where I was going without him. I remember where I was going without him. I'm a child of the king, but I wasn't born into the royal family. Right? If you're going to fulfill your purpose, you have to remember who you are and what God's given you. And let your purpose trump your pride. Insecurity, inferiority, inadequacy. You're always going to be challenged by pride, by the way. It's never going to go away. That's why I said pick. Because it's a constant in your work, in your relationships, in your accomplishments, in your materials, in everything that you had. Pride is always, that challenge is always going to be there. But you must overcome. Because of this, pride, pride is always concerned with who is right. Remember this. Pride is always concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. That's character. That's character, doing the right thing, even when nobody's watching, right? Pride leads to a fall. Humility leads to purpose. Our pursuit to purpose really starts with humility. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.